0: The Week in Doubt episode 291 part 2. So, I originally thought this episode might be like a half an hour long in its entirety. I thought I'd quickly do a listener feedback segment that might be like two minutes long at the beginning. Ended up recording for about 50 minutes <laughs> just responding to uh, the aforementioned listener feedback. How long the the first half will be after editing, I I don't know. But it was long enough, and I went off-topic enough, that I decided to break this episode into two parts. So my original plan for episode 291 was I I wanted to just sit back and play some clips from the Non-Sequitur show and uh, just kind of riff on them. Because I mentioned how, uh, I guess for lack of a better word, you know, I'm a fan of the show. And once again, uh, The non sequitur Show is a live streaming channel on YouTube. They host a bunch of really interesting debates and interviews having to do with uh, religion, ancient history, that kind of thing. And a kind of uh, reoccurring fixture of the show seems to be uh, hosting flat-earth debates. And I tend to binge-watch those. And before I forget, just just a quick note, not a criticism, just an observation. I actually love the title, The Non-Sequitur Show, and yet all their episodes seem to be devoted to a specific topic. And if you do go off-topic, they'll kind of rein you in, so it's really no uh no non sequiturs allowed, but anyway, just saying still like still like the uh the name of the show though I think it's it's very catchy and uh memorable kind of rolls off the tongue um while I was binge watching these uh flat earth debate episodes, I noticed something that I thought would make good fodder for the show. There seems to be this interesting pattern where the respective flat earther will be fighting tooth and nail against the mainstream scientific view that the Earth is round. Can't believe we're debating this in 2018. Then they'll try to, uh, you know, and they'll try to act or come off as if they're the more sober, skeptical, and rational ones, the less gullible ones, for not believing in a globe or quote-unquote ball Earth, as they dismissively call it. They're just using common sense and seeing the obvious, and we're the gullible ones for swallowing the spherical earth pablum we've been fed, you know? Uh, But usually maybe halfway to three quarters through the debate, they'll tend to slip and show their hand. Even if they claim not to be quote-unquote religious, they'll still admit some kind of belief in a higher power or designer of some sort. And I think this is most likely the foundation, at least in part, for their rejection of the mainstream globe-Earth model. Uh, We're not living on a sphere sculpted by cold, uncaring natural forces. We're living on a special flat plane made for us by our cosmic daddy, or, you know, apply whatever gender you prefer. And uh, as many believe, it's even capped with a magical dome-like firmament. Uh, but I thought it would be fun and edifying to listen to some of these clips, so uh, let's go for it. And uh, just an aside, you know, before we start, I want to say I love this idea that all the world scientists out there are either in on the conspiracy or too dumb or blind to see the scientific truth that they en masse repeatedly miss what's supposedly obvious. None of them can see it, but Joe Blow on YouTube can. If only someone could be so kind as to tell the scientific community that water can't wrap around a sphere. Uh, (laughs) um, Someone might say, you know, that sounds like an appeal to authority, but to me it's a matter of common sense. If there was simple, obvious evidence proving that the Earth wasn't round, something as incredibly simple as the behavior of water, whether it's capable of conforming to to a certain shape or not, You don't think any of the people who study or practice the involved scientific disciplines would notice, you know? Um, Anyway, and once again, to remind you, I mentioned this in part one, I'm using a screen capture tool because there's going to be so many clips here and that the editing would just be hell. What if there really is a hell and I'm just editing videos for eternity? But (laughs) I love this show, it's my passion. But, uh, you know, I, I try to uh, minimize my workload if I can when it comes to editing. Um, there's just so many clips I'm going to go over, and I'm going to be pausing so much that it'd be a nightmare to just slice up all the video and audio separately. So uh, I thought a screen capture tool might make things uh, easier. So first I'll start with Votan uh, or is it Wotan and, and Rumpus? Let's see. And you guys know I'm a big mythology buff. And uh, Votan or Wotan, I believe, is basically the Germanic equivalent of the uh, the Scandinavian Viking god Odin.
1: Why lie about the the, the shape of the earth, Votan? Let's well, let's guy, get it down well, to the, the, the guy let's down also to the
2: lied about his Lake Pontetrain uh, uh, towers being bent, and then some other guy went there with his own camera and then showed it's totally flat across the whole freaking so lake. Not no. true. So, okay. okay, why lie about the shape the well, earth is?
3: Hey. Why make
1: up that lie? Like, why is that a thing? Why would, uh, why would we have to cover up the fact that the Earth is a globe? What is ultimately the, the reason for why this lie is continuing?
2: Well, in in your model, we are a speck of dust, dust in an infinite universe. Basically, we are meaningless. We are pointless. There is no. I don't think of any of those things.
0: Yeah. So let me just pause to give some context. So. Episodes of the non-sequitur show tend to be even you know, longer than my episodes. In fairness to them, they're actually having conversations. I'm basically, well, I'm talking to you guys, but essentially I'm a guy sitting in a chair <clears throat> talking to himself. But, uh, but their episodes tend to be around two hours each. And obviously I wasn't going to sit here for like six hours (laughs) and uh, comment on, you know, a a string of entire episodes. So there was a lot of work involved. I I had to repeatedly sit through these like two hour episodes and find and isolate the, uh, the portions I was looking for. So... This is probably like an hour into this particular episode, at least. And up until this point, this guy wasn't wasn't mentioning religion at all, but was uh, fighting tooth and nail uh, against the mainstream view of a uh, of a, a, a spherical or globe Earth. And then this finally came up.
2: Is it true? There is a there, there I don't no reason for us to anymore. exist. we an accident. Where an accident. we an accident. we a freak cap of chance. I don't chance. think that either. We're, we're...
0: Okay. So I want to say this. Um, If you listen to part one of this, where I was really going into my, in response to some negative feedback, going into the reasons why I doubt the existence of an afterlife or a higher power, I think I kind of ended by saying that we should try to avoid the mistake of believing in something simply because it comforts us and of not believing in something because... We find the idea disturbing. I think we should want to seek the truth and, and take the phenomenon of existence seriously enough that even if the truth is disturbing or less than pleasant, we should still want to know the truth. And so here, you know, he's kind of saying, well, if there isn't a higher power, if it does just boil down to cold natural processes, then there's no meaning to life. Um, we're just, you know, temporary specks of dust or whatever. And in a sense, yeah, well, maybe in a way that's true. Let's say there is. No, let's say there is no God. There is no afterlife. For the sake of argument, I'm an agno- I'm an atheist. Technically, agnostic atheist. Uh, my more devout, no pun intended, listeners are probably sick of hearing me. Uh, you know explain that <laughs> ad nauseum. But yeah, technically, I consider myself to be an agnostic atheist. I, I don't claim to know for certain whether there, there is or isn't a god in our afterlife. Uh, I'm not that arrogant to say I know with 100% certainty. But based on the lack of empirical evidence for an afterlife, a, an eternal soul, ghost spirits, uh, because of the man-made nature of religion, etc., Uh, I do strongly doubt the existence of a a higher power or an afterlife. Uh, But as I explained last time, my atheism does swing harder when, uh, you know, regarding man-made religions and the faith claims of man-made religions, um, man-made concepts of God and all that. Uh, Could there be some, you know, some undefined higher power out there i guess technically they there could be uh but i I, i'm I'm very skeptical but even more skeptical that any of the man-made concepts of god are true yeah so i think that's uh wotan or votan's mistake here um (laughs) i think while the host steve made a joke about how the name reminds him of voltron don't get me uh sidetracked on japanese robots um i want nerd out on you um, and yes Voltron was Japanese. He was originally a, a Japanese robot called GoLion. But then I think, you know, some American company bought the rights or whatever and they changed it to Voltron. Same thing how uh, you know, the really popular Japanese 70 70s robot uh Mazinger Z ended up becoming uh Transor I, I said I wouldn't. I'm already nerding out. But yeah, I think uh Walter Wotan, Voltron is making the mistake The mistake that because he has trouble tolerating or facing the idea of a technically godless or meaningless universe, that at least on a semi or subconscious level, he's gripping to the more palatable idea for him that there's purpose behind it all, that there's meaning. And for me, being an agnostic atheist who's wrestled, who went through the slow and harrowing experience of my reason eroding my faith, and who had a really hard time wrestling with the idea that there might not be a God or an afterlife, um, whether or not you're comfortable with the idea, the proposition, is no measure indication of whether or not it's true. Maybe there is no creator. Maybe when we die, it really, you know, upon brain death, it really is just lights out and a story. We, The individual self ceases to exist. So what? You know, it's, um, I don't mean to sound uh, callous or cold, but by so what, I don't mean that we shouldn't care, because I certainly... I went through some very harrowing Dark Nights of the Soul wrestling with this stuff. By I say, so what? Meaning that my personal desires or beliefs don't change the reality of whether something is true or not. It may be very hard to face the idea that we are just quick glimpses of light in the universe. And uh, that when we die, it's the big sleep. You know, everything's... It's all null and void. We cease to exist. Kind of similar to the way we can't remember what was like before we were born because we didn't exist. We'll go back to that same state of non-existence upon brain or bodily death. I'm not saying I know that with 100% certainty, but logically, I, I think <laughs> that's, that's the conclusion to lean towards, uh, unfortunately, you know, in, in some ways. On the other hand, you know, as someone who's tried to make peace with that proposition, um, I guess at least you could say that non existence will be the ultimate rest, you know, uh, escape from all suffering, escape from all that's negative. But at the same time, it, it's also the end of all the good things about life, too, you know. So I did that whole episode on celebrity suicides and depression uh, last week, and I don't want to make non existence seem like, something you should be eager to go to. Uh, I think life is precious. Um, I can't really explain it, but I do think just the phenomenon of being a living being, of existing, merits some kind of respect and uh, reverence. Um, and you might say, oh, well, that's probably you showing your hand that you do think there's something behind all this. No, I think just being a self aware member of a social species who's wired for some degree of empathy or caring, um, I think that alone can explain why we sh- have or should have, you know, some respect or regard for life. And we all have a survival instinct, and even if it is brief and temporary, I think we should do our best to enjoy our stay here and get as much as we can out of life. So even though I try to put that silver lining on non-existence that at least it'll be the end of suffering— uh, I, I don't mean that to seem like some kind of weird selling point, like, you know, you should pack your bags now to go to the uh, the Great Void or whatever. <laughs> no, I think that people should try to make the best out of this world for themselves and others as they can, you know. But, yeah, I think, so Uh, Voltron kind of shows his hand there, and essentially it's like he's saying or implying that the idea of there not being some design or meaning is just too terrible so the opposite must be true even though there's no good evidence and uh you know it it it's obviously comforting to him on some level um to swaddle himself in the idea that there is some design or purpose to it all
4: religion basically you're saying religion.
5: religion why does he think he gets to decide for me what i think i don't think any of those things are true so why does he keep attributing those things to me
3: well, that's oh, okay, well, I'm kind of curious. Jake what is the? Well, I don't
2: well, think I,
5: respect
3: is... of them. I
2: don't. I don't think well, there's no Jake purpose. The we should have started
1: with this question. Come go ahead. On. Yeah.
2: What
3: What is the connection between being a, a, a globe and being meaningless? Yes. Like, there are plenty of Christians out there, plenty of religious people that believe in a higher power and think that we're here for a purpose and all that, and subscribe to, you know, the fact that we're a spherical earth. So I don't see the spherical earth being the linchpin in being meaningless. So I'm I'm wondering to you, what is that connection
0: there? And, And that's actually a great point. And that guy speaking there is Godless Engineer. And I actually um subscribed to his YouTube channel recently. And he and uh I don't know if it's his wife or not or partner or whatever, but um they they regularly appear on the non-sequitur show. And hopefully there's not all sorts of little uh, distracting background noises here. I'm forced to wear a pair of headphones so um, we don't pick up any echo from my mic as I'm playing these clips. And uh, my mic is so sensitive that, that the littlest noise sounds like uh, an elephant uh, gallivanting through the room or something. But uh, the Blue Yeti mic. Great mic. A lot of people use it, but almost too good. It picks up the smallest of noises. But yeah, that's a good point. The round earth doesn't... The idea of a round earth isn't mutually exclusive with the idea of a higher power or a creator. To the contrary, I mean, I think most of us who were raised religious were also raised with the idea of a round earth. Uh, you know, a lot of our parents probably chaired different space missions, um we may have been raised religious but at the same time we were taught to respect and enjoy science and we may even have had posters of the earth or you know rockets or whatever on our walls as kids our parents may have brought us to science museums or whatever and how many kind of corny you know christian bookstore images have we all seen of these big celestial hands kind of cradling a globe earth. So certainly you can believe in a round earth and a higher power. You can be a Christian and believe in a round earth. It is true if you go back and, and really dig into um, ancient Jewish thought that there is this idea of a flat earth domed by a uh, a firmament um, but most of us who were raised Christian weren't raised with that idea. Jesus, the resurrection, and the New Testament were the kind of focal point, the focal points of our upbringing. You know, we really weren't taught to be too concerned with the minutia of um, ancient Jewish thought or whatever. But anyway, I'll, I'll continue
3: between Spherical Earth and meaninglessness. Religion. He's always no, clearly no, religious. No, no, no. Hold on. Religious. I'm
2: asking I'm Votan. I'm asking Votan. I'm not religious, number one. I'm not religious at all. I never will be religious. Um, I was actually... I'll give you guys a little insight into me. So I find it absolutely... I'm on the total opposite fence of where I would be not even three or four years ago. Three or four years ago, I'm reading Richard Dawkins, Sam Harris, Christopher Hitchens, Don Dennett, all those guys. I love those guys. Carl Sagan, all of that. I have all their books? I'm not all of them, but I have most of their books. You know, uh, so for me to be arguing about this now,
0: Don Dennett, I-, I could. Every time I hear that, I want I've watched this episode probably four or five times. Every time he says Don Dennett, I want to crack up. I shouldn't pick on him. I experience uh, mispronunciations, slips of the tongue, uh, brain glitches uh, all the time. But Don, Dennett, I think he's referring to uh, Dan or Daniel Dennett, anyway.
2: I was such a dogmatic atheist back then. I was so into atheism. You know, my whole life, I never believed in God. I I was actually uh, more of an anti-theist. I was more of the Christopher Hitchens type atheist where I absolutely was opposed to God. I did not absolutely knew that God did not exist. But now, once, once I seen the flaws with evolution, I started opening my mind a little bit. And then I started looking into, you know, other things.
0: I don't know what, I mean, what specific flaws with evolution. It'd be cool if he was a bit more specific but in fairness to him, this was a de- debate about the flat Earth and not evolution. And uh, this was probably already like an hour, an hour and a half into this episode.
2: And then I came across flat Earth and then all of these all of these solid arguments for them. How is the atmosphere in a vacuum? How How is the water around the shape of the Earth? You can't do an experiment to prove that. You can't do an experiment to prove vacuum uh, existing in an atmosphere. These experiments are impossible because they don't.
0: Yeah, so there's this reoccurring idea. That you hear from the uh, the flat earth camp that supposedly water can't conform to the shape of a sphere. You know, it, it, water is always flat or level or, you know, water always finds its level. And people on this show have tried to address the technical difference between flat and level, level having to do with... Uh, the pull of gravity. Uh, as someone who works construction, I have to use a... Yes, yes, I have a graphic design degree, but for some reason still stuck in the family construction business. I have to use a level all the time. So very well acquainted with uh, with level uh, the, or the term level. But they also don't believe in gravity. So they'll very frustratingly kind of thumb their noses or scoff at the idea of gravity in general, like we're the crazy ones. Gravity is admittedly a relatively weak force, but its pull works in relation to mass. And uh, when you have it working on something as massive as the Earth, even water is pulled towards the center and conforms to the general spherical shape of the Earth. Although I believe the Earth isn't a perfect sphere, I think technically it's an oblate spheroid, right? Uh, But when it comes to water conforming to the shape of the Earth, I believe... Just as, if not more important, is also the role of uh, vapor or uh, atmospheric pressure. Not a scientist, but that's my layman's understanding of it. I think technically, uh, flat earthers, they they uh, most of them don't believe in gravity, but they do believe in mass and weight. But anyway, uh, let's continue.
2: They don't exist because they don't work, because you can't do it, because it's not a part of the physical universe. So what that means is there's a possibility that the earth could be actually flat as we observe it, and it could be motionless as we observe it. If the earth is flat and motionless as we observe it, that automatically is an absolute 100% proof that we are part of an intelligently designed system. You cannot.
0: Okay. Yeah. So I noticed another pattern with these guys where most of them aren't religious you know, they don't adhere to any specific religious dogma or belong to an organized sect or anything like that. But they, and so at first, you know, they'll tr- when they're in these debates, they'll try to claim that this has nothing to do with religion or whatever. But then eventually they'll show their hand that even though they might not be quote unquote religious, they still believe in a higher power and design. It's kind of funny. So they make it sound like uh, they're almost secular. You know, they don't, they want nothing to do with religion, and yet they, like I said, they believe in a higher power and they believe in design, and they seem to embrace these very old religious models of a flat earth, um, as I was saying earlier, such as you can find in ancient Jewish thought. And once again, it's like how it almost seems like, in, in some way, it almost seems like skepticism, ironically, like skepticism on steroids. You know, it's being so skeptical that you go down the rabbit hole because you're so distrusting and you kind of lose sight or perspective and lose your common sense. Because if the Earth really was flat, like I was saying earlier, you know, either all of the world's scientists, thousands and thousands and thousands of, of scientists out there would have to be in on the conspiracy or they'd have to be stupid as shit. And they can't see these obvious scientific truths debunking the round earth that these random guys on YouTube can see. Uh, and neither one of those seems like a very likely possibility. And I think in fairness to them, they'll say it's like a mix. You know, some of them are in on the conspiracy, but uh, oh, most of them are just indoctrinated the same way we are. You know, we're we're indoctrinated from an early age, they say, to believe in a round earth. And the scientists are no exception. These, generally speaking, these highly intelligent people, all these thousands of scientists, none of them are as smart as you or as perceptive as you to be able to see what you see are these plain facts, all this evidence hiding in plain sight that you can see, but they can't. I think it takes, to believe that takes arrogance or delusion. To a new level. Yeah, so like I said, it's almost like skepticism on steroids, married with some kind of desire for meaning and purpose. Like uh, Wotan or Votan showing his hand there, he obviously finds it more, understandably to some degree, more palatable to believe in a universe that has design. In meaning than he does to believe that we're just temporary beings who cease to be upon death and we're living in a universe governed by cold, uncaring uh, processes or laws or whatever. And I understand that uh, definitely, but what matters is what's true or not. Just because one concept makes you feel more comfortable or cozy doesn't mean, and you find the other less palatable that doesn't indicate that's not an indication of which one is true so it's like this combination of them of them wanting there to be design and purpose combined with a kind of very misguided skepticism
2: I'd explain it any other way.
0: Oh, if, so sun, design, if, if sun... Right,
2: so, yeah, if, so if so the sun...
5: You advocate for intelligent design. And by the way, so you said it. you're no longer an atheist, so I, I would assume you're a theist now?
2: No, not a theist. What, just, I just mean, believe that it, there's it, some, like, something that... Wait, wait, wait. wait. If, you, you,
5: if you believe God doesn't exist, or you, you believe God exists... I mean, well,
2: theists usually lend... That, theists usually lend the, the creator to an anthropomorphic type of being. Sure. I don't think...
0: I don't know if that's necessarily true or not. Uh, I think a theist technically just means you, you believe in a god or a higher power. I don't know if there is some nuance or distinction. Well, and as I've talked about myself plenty of times on the show in the past, to believe in anthropomorphic god, anthropomorphic just means to have, you know, generally human form. I mean, you could literally believe in a god that has human form, uh, a lot of people, uh, rightly or wrongly, maybe even some Christians might argue that it's kind of immature to think of God as literally being, you know, an old man in the sky, some kind of Zeus-looking patriarchal Zeus-looking figure in a robe or whatever. Um, but I guess you could also say anthropomorphic in character. Like maybe God doesn't have a physical human body, but he's anthropomorph- anthropomorphic. In the sense that he has human characteristics and kind of uh, personality traits and a will and awareness and that kind of thing, you know? Uh, and of course, you know, the Bible talks about man being made in God's image, and even um, theists will debate whether that's talking about a physical image or whether it's talking about a, a spiritual image having to do with a similarity between our character and awareness and that of the creators or whatever. But anyway, let's go.
1: Do you believe there's intelligent Well, let's agent? not muddy those waters, Steve. Let's, let's go so simple. On, we we're, go... We're, we're actually getting somewhere. Let, okay,
0: let's so let's skip intelligent over intelligent agent. Well, well, I'm not
4: right. sure we are. He's we've got to have the flat design. earth. We're now talking so about religion. I mean, we, I think we ought to get off this subject, actually. We're not talking about religion and intelligent design here. We were supposed to be talking about the flat earth. I'm happy to talk about evolution and intelligent design, but that it is off topic. topic.
1: We right. haven't been talking about the flat earth the entire time. Not well, we've talking about science. We've been talking about
4: his rejection of science, basically. He rejects science. He denies science. Now you know where it's from. Now you know where that rejection is Oh, I appreciate that we agree what
0: that guy with the southern accent is one of the main hosts of the non-sequitur show. His name's Kyle. I really like that guy. He's a cool guy. And um, he's making a good observation. Yeah, you know, now you see where this rejection of mainstream science is coming from. He has some, he's clinging to some kind of belief in a, in a higher power or designer.
4: That's why I suggested when he said it, I said this is because this is religion or some religious type in view. But nonetheless, we're arguing about the facts here, and he's trying to dispute whether or not this soundless thing here is showing is a lie, basically, which is absolutely outrageous. He's denying the evidence of his eyes, basically, He's denying right. the evidence of science. And just because he doesn't understand that moving on a train means you will not feel... Forces. He doesn't understand that force is equal to mass times acceleration, it seems to me, because he's convinced that we're stationary, and he doesn't seem to understand that you can be going along at constant velocity yep. I, and not feeling anything.
2: I, it's an I, I, that is what's I important. Have, to, the reason come...
4: for
1: that is what needs to be shown and, and, and what that can do to how you think in terms well, of being confronted with evidence. Well,
4: we should be dealing be with, the, with be dealing the arguments it. he proposes. I mean we should be – oh, that might be the reason for his doing it, but nonetheless, he should be able to present arguments for the things he's claiming, and those are the things we're dealing with.
2: The reason there why I'm mine. denying it, because the the reason why I deny it is because after coming across you know flat earth and 9/11 and evolution being <laughs> complete garbage.
5: <laughs> can, can everybody you, stop you, you, can last you, can usual every going? <laughs> Time of order. Can everybody stop screen sharing? We don't need to be screen sharing this.
0: I'm going to pause it for a moment because it's absolutely sweltering in this room where I record the show, and I don't have the air conditioner going. I'm just going to grab a cold beverage. I'll be right back. Okay, I'm back. I'm drinking partially frozen Adirondack enhanced lime-flavored water with zero calories. And though this isn't a commercial. Enhanced with vitamins, uh, B3, B6, B12, and ginseng. Anything that'll give me a little kick, man. I'll take it. Artificially uh, flavored drinks, like diet drinks, usually make me nauseous for some reason. And yet, I'll still drink them to try to avoid excess calories. But this one actually tastes pretty damn good. I don't know if it's something to do with the lime flavor, but it kind of disguises that, that nasty kind of synthetic phenylalanine or aspartame kind of thing, you know, that you usually tastes with uh, artificially flavored diet drinks or whatever. Anyway.
2: I tend to, uh, to, like, what, I tend, what i tend to do now is just i try to have the most pragmatic view of the world that i possibly can the most simplest view of the world that i possibly can and if you're going to tell me that the earth is spinning and i don't feel spinning i don't believe you done occam's razor i don't believe you that's
0: not occam's razor. Tell me, it- occam's razor he tries to make it sound like a, a very commonsensical approach you know he tries to be as practical as possible have as you know simple as possible explanation for that, which I guess simple as possible isn't always good, uh, because you could say, well, okay, we're not made of atoms because you know I can't see atoms with my naked eye or whatever, you know. Um, so he tries to make it sound reasonable or rational, but when you really think of it, uh, not quite. Unfortunately, um, things are often and maybe not even unfortunately, because I think there's a certain beauty in the complexity of life and um, to the complexity of the natural world and of uh, what we know about the natural world via science. It
4: tells it tells you, you shouldn't be able to feel it, Wotan. Yes. The physics and the oh, math say you shouldn't be power, able to power, feel it. Why don't you accept power, that? You why do you deny... Power, power, but Wotan, the physics power, says power, you should not be able to feel it. Why do you deny that?
0: And there's a... Yeah, so what's this dude's name? His, his YouTube uh, handle or alias is Wotan Sauron. Is that Sauron, like from the Lord of the Rings? Um, and this icon, that's... Uh, I can't believe I know this, but I think that's a character from an old video game. Isn't that um, the vampire from that old game Legend of Cain or whatever? <laughs> I'm almost ashamed of myself for knowing that. But I don't know, I find, for some reason uh, I, I find it all very cringe-inducing.
2: Wotan,
4: Wotan, the physics says you should not be able to feel it. Why do you deny that? Yeah, it's because is,
2: you don't, is, because it, you don't it, understand it. It's more what assumptions is, on top is, of Wotan. the fact that it's spinning. Know, and also, also, that doesn't actually prove that the Earth is spinning. That's just an right, explanation. So let me, let and let if it is spinning, that I wouldn't feel it. That doesn't all mean that.
5: Wotan, let's get to the nitty-gritty here. What do you think in physics would allow you to feel something? I believe, right, that, that change of acceleration, you'll feel that. If you change your vector, meaning that you'll change your, your speed or your ma- the magic of your speed
0: or your direction.
2: I not, not on the earth, I'm saying. How do you know reality
5: is real?
0: Yeah, so there's my shoddy editing. I strung together a bunch of small clips. So obviously, in fairness to put things in context, there's um, a leap forward there.
5: This is going to be... No, no, good. No, no, no. Okay. Ladies and three... gentlemen, this is what
1: religion will do to you if you dive yeah. in jail. How you go from Hitchens, Hitchens to this, how you go from Christopher <laughs> Hitchens to this, that man will be rolling over his grave right now. No. I'll, I'll tell there you
0: are that. Three... That was another great observation by Kyle. How the hell do you go from Christopher Hitchens to being a flat earther who rejects mainstream science? And the feeling I get is that um you know for me becoming a non-believer was a very kind of long arduous process, uh, as I like to describe it, of my reason eroding my faith. But I think there are some people who become atheists just because they're looking for something to belong to, and so I think this guy probably found out about atheism, jumped in headfirst, you know and uh, discovered it wasn't for him, and then found something else to cling to. Now, you know, now it's the flat Earth.
4: Quick experiments you can you, do, Wotan, to establish that the Earth is spinning. One is Foucault's pendulum,
2: two is just it's into a pressurized Wotan. system, you might have- there's another jump. Until Wotan. then, I'm just not gonna believe you.
5: Wotan, let me give you a very fundamental thing in science, okay? Science does not prove anything ever. There is no such thing as scientific proof. It's a misnomer, okay? Science is not meant to prove. Science is meant to explain and predict. So as soon as you invoke words like proof, you automatically are, are, are basically not understanding how the scientific method works, okay? okay, Because scientific facts can change. So I would avoid using the word proof. Demonstrate. Use the word demonstrate.
0: And that's the other uh, the co-host of the non-sequitur show, Steve. Um, and I think he's literally a philosopher. I think he has a philosophy degree. Um, and he's some people on the opposite side will try to accuse science, mainstream science... Uh, of being rigidly dogmatic. And they'll even draw this false equivalence between religion in the priesthood and uh, science. And uh, and scientists, you know. Science kind of being the religion and scientists being the priests of this religion. When science is in at its heart about some authority saying, thou shalt believe what I say because I say... Rather, science is about trying to find the truth via experimentation, observation, the gathering of data and evidence, and um, subjecting one's findings to peer review to make sure they hold water. No uh, flat earth water joke intended there. Um, So it's kind of the opposite of being rigid or dogmatic. It's about following the evidence where it leads even if it means upsetting the apple cart and sure there may always be some scientists who maybe have their heels dug in and their initial knee-jerk reaction is to kind of thumb their nose at something that goes against their own findings or that goes against the mainstream belief but if the evidence bears out and the findings can be repeatedly demonstrated then as inconvenient as it might be, the old model is going to have to give way to this new evidence, you know? And so there's a quick thing from Wikipedia about the scientific method. The scientific method is an empirical method of knowledge acquisition, which has characterized the development of natural science since at least the 17th century, involving careful observation, which includes rigorous skepticism about what one observes, given that cognitive assumptions about how the world works influence how one interprets a percept, formulating hypotheses via induction, Based on such observations, experimental testing and measurement of deductions drawn from the hypotheses, and refining or elimination of the hypotheses based on the experimental findings. These are principles of the scientific method, as opposed to a definitive series of steps applicable to all scientific enterprises. And so kind of baked into the cake there, and I think it's an important part, is even uh, it's necessary to have a healthy skepticism about your own uh, assumptions and observations during the observation or experimental process. So far from being rigid and dogmatic, you're part of the part of the whole process is that you're supposed to be is that you're supposed to have a healthy skepticism of even your own findings and observations so that you're rigorously testing and retesting to make sure that your observations or assumptions are actually correct.
1: Oh, at least
2: demonstrate that it could be possible.
1: Something happened when you found out about evolution, or you know, you you think you pinpointed something on evolution that made you rebel against all other science, and you're not the first example of people that um, have done that. I mean, you see it time and time again, but one thing that you think um,
0: doesn't... That's interesting. Um, It's very easy for it to pass unnoticed, but you can kind of hear softly there uh, Wotan or Wotan is saying, I felt betrayed. When Kyle's talking about how something happened when he found out about evolution, that, you know, he kind of rejected evolution, something didn't sit right with him about evolution, and that caused him to reject mainstream science as a whole for the most part and embrace this whole flat earth thing. And I think the idea of evolution, especially for people who were raised religious, can be kind of unsettling. And of course, uh, belief in a higher power or being religious and believing evolution aren't Mutually exclusive. I think if you're a biblical literalist, then yeah, you're going to have a real problem. (laughs) A real problem trying to reconcile evolution with um, the literal story of creation. Because, of course, in the Bible, we have God, you know, making Adam, breathing life into him, Eve, at least in one account, being formed from the rib of Adam. Um, So, a far cry, a big difference from, uh, the slow, arduous millions and millions of years long process of, uh, evol- of biological evolution, you know? Um, and I think some people, including, to this day, to this day, there's still something I find at times, sometimes I'm more vulnerable to this than other times. Well, I'll find myself feeling, feel feeling that there's something repellent about being closely related to apes, you know, like uh, as someone who loves nature and animals, uh, I have nothing against apes. I actually think they're, (laughs) they're quite impressive animals and fascinating. Um, But I think there's something that could kind of repulse us a little. Uh, And I think in a way it's because they are so closely related to us that they almost seem like a parody of us. We are technically animals, but in a way I think apes almost seem like a bridge between animal and man. And um, I think maybe it's twofold. On the one hand, maybe some people don't like being reminded of just how animal we are. And on another hand, I, I, I've thought of how, like, if you got to pick what animal represented you or that you had the closest connection to or whatever. I don't think most people would choose an ape, right? They're kind of these gangly, awkward-looking creatures. They're not the most graceful or aesthetically pleasing of, uh, creatures one can observe in the natural world. I think, um, animals like, uh, you know, the great cats or wolves or something like that, you know, they seem to be, uh, Much more impressive and graceful and kind of majestic than these weird, kind of gangly, awkward looking creatures that are kind of on the path to being bipedal or whatever, you know, on the path to being these bipedal hominid like beings. And they're kind of reminders of where we come from. I mean, how many times have you heard Christians talk about how uh, I ain't no monkey, I ain't an ape. If we came from monkeys, why are there still monkeys? You know, that kind of thing. And I apologize for instinctively going to the southern accent there and not trying to uh, disparage you good people from the south. But uh, as many uh, much smarter and knowledgeable people have said before me, evolution isn't a linear line. Like we see in those representations of uh, this kind of linear progression of ape to man. We see the knuckle-dragging ape. We see the uh, hominid beginning to stand up. Eventually you get man. Evolution isn't a linear line. It's a branching tree. Different species branch off and we have common ancestors. So of course our closest relative is the chimpanzee. And we and the chimpanzee share a common ancestor. The chimpanzee went one direction, and we split off another and became what we are. And they kind of remain a knuckle-dragging representation, a reminder, a living reminder of where we came from. And uh, that's unsettling for a lot of people. And there's sometimes why I embrace being an ape. You know, like uh, Richard Dawkins has that shirt that says, I am an African ape. Sometimes I'm, uh, proud of it. Sometimes I fully embrace it and other times, and not because I have a problem with evolution. I fully embrace evolution, but more because like I said, like the ape isn't, uh, not the most aesthetically pleasing animal. (laughs) I think it's kind of humbling in a a comical way when, you know, we're forced to kind of reconcile or, or face the fact that we, uh. We we come from these creatures. That this is kind of our ancestral stock. You know, (laughs) you know when people like pick their spirit or totem animals. You know they pick things like wolves and eagles, uh, pumas. Then no one's like, oh yeah, I want to be the the chimpanzee. You know, the thing that looks like a hair suit old man with uh, oversized ears or whatever.
1: set right instantly negates the rest of science it's a it's an amazing i think phenomenon when when you don't
2: when you look at science as a whole you really look at it like it is like a religion it's very dogmatic no 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 no, 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 listen listen
5: let me explain
0: let me and i kind of already uh tackle this, maybe I kind of jumped the gun and show waited, but uh, let's see what they say.
2: Explain
5: the okay, very, please the do. Very, Go ahead, let me explain. The
2: Precipice this. of science. What science is. What science does. How. Uh, what science is supposed to do is absolutely the most beautiful thing you can imagine. The way Richard Feynman explains science, I think, is the most, the most beautiful, eloquent, simple, pragmatic way that you could look at.
0: That's probably the smartest thing I've ever heard Voltron say. <laughs> but uh, it's weird how he's capable of that kind of insight. And yet, then falls back on like the the flat Earth and the need for some kind of preternatural designer or whatever.
2: Science. It's so where's perfect. our problem? I, I love science. The problem is is when you have humans with egos, with with monetary interests, with uh, interests. In, in you having... talk about?
0: And I think he actually has a point there, in, in which I kind of touched on. when I talked about how there will be some people, scientists, who dig their heels in, and they'll be hesitant to embrace new findings that perhaps contradict their own research or interests. But I I think the scientific method and peer review, et cetera, um, are kind of built-in safety mechanisms that correct for ego. Uh, An individual scientist or two may be able to poo-poo a certain new finding, but if the finding bears out, and can be repeatedly demonstrated, uh, uh, eventually, the naysayers are going to have to step aside. Kyle
2: problem. says something you know, good here. To be refuted, so be, do they the to
4: peer to, review process eliminates okay. the problem you've just described about egos. Exactly. Yeah. Right. when it comes
2: to money i
5: guarantee it if i if i approach like my friend uh, dr Hermes who's watching right now if i approached him and said hey um i have absolute evidence that evolution is wrong that the whole theory is wrong and i can demonstrate it to everybody and we did do you know how much money we would get funding wise it would be off the freaking charts not well, even just from the exactly. creationist well, group and the di groups right they would as well <laughs> but the scientific community yeah, would see, be like holy you... crap
0: that's actually a great point that steve makes if you could legitimately demonstrate scientifically that the Earth was flat. I mean, obviously, let's not sugarcoat things. You would have a lot of pushback from the mainstream scientific community at first. But if you could prove through the scientific method, if you could repeatedly demonstrate that your conclusions are accurate, that would be such huge... Obviously, you would have... uh moneyed interests on the religious right, Hobby Lobby, uh, whatever, you know, would be filleting you, showering you in money. And once again, if you really could prove it, that would be such a huge scientific breakthrough that the spotlight would be on you on the world stage. You'd be having Nobel Prizes and money thrown at you. (laughs) And, uh, you know, you would be the Einstein of your time or whatever.
2: That's but, what you think, but when it comes to things like gravity and evolution, not, it the, when it comes to things situation. when it comes to things that is so huge, like like gravity and uh, gravity. You, look at like the no one and gravity. And the round earth Ethereum is not going to change. What about time? Hold, hold on, hold on, let, he, never, let, him, let
1: him finish his thought, guys. Let him finish his thought. What about time? Com-
2: when it comes to things that such as huge things like like gravity and the I'm round calling? earth, is, can you ex- can you be quiet? When it's it comes just, to things like ahead. gravity and evolution and the round earth there's no peer-reviewed study that's ever going to come forth that's going dep- to that, that they're never going they to try never gonna, never,
5: but they don't make it they don't make right exactly
2: up. so they, because they, it's so ingrained no in, no it's because, in, because there's no evidence for society it, society wotan. Wotan. it wotan. Wotan. wotan would you say it's that the
4: wotan, wotan, Would you say that it's proving that time can change is, was a big thing that was established that was rock solid everybody move, uh...
0: and i remember i did uh i've done a couple episodes Where Some people don't like the word debunking. They think it has a negative connotation. I I fully embrace the term, you know, debunking. Uh, Yeah, when I try to illustrate how something is complete bullshit and how it's at loggerheads with factual evidence, I'll, I'll describe myself as debunking it or trying to debunk it, you know. So I've done a couple of episodes debunking the flat earth and once again, I, th- I think it's an example of this kind of skepticism on steroids or this kind of misguided skepticism run amuck. Uh, at the same time, I think it's in conjunction with trying to validate their own biases or whatever, their need to believe that there's a, a designer or a purpose to it all. And things like pictures of the earth, both Untouched pictures of the Earth and uh, what are often, admittedly, uh, composite images because we have satellite images. We're kind of you know that are assembled from pieces that are taken at different times to kind of show show a more complete whole. All the things that should simply be taken as evidence for a round Earth, um, they'll have none of it. You know what I mean? Um, and it's like really. All the not just NASA, but all the scientists out there who work in this in these related fields. They're all part of the conspiracy. Come on, you know. Be abused on so they didn't accept that for
5: twenty years. Right. I mean that, that upset the apple cart because we're yeah, how big is that? Relativity
0: or the hard or, thing or... is to hear him say ego
1: though, because it, it, it's the ego that, that believes that we couldn't have gotten here by an evolutionary process, that there had to be some maker that took the time to create us and put us in the center of the universe and have the sun and the moon revolve around us. That's ego. Science is the complete opposite of that. Science doesn't care if that's true or not. Right.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. And that's another reason why I, I think certain quote unquote religious people, like you don't necessarily have to dogmatically believe in a certain religion, but using the word religious loosely for, for people who believe in a higher power, um, for people who believe that humans are kind of the crown of creation. They have this problem. I mean, I, I think that's kind of a jagged pill for them to swallow. They have this problem with the idea that, hey, the universe might not have specifically been made for us. We're not the center of things, you know. Um, we're just one of many species that develop through natural processes or processes.
2: doesn't relevant. It's you could look up what a guy. It? You could look up a guy named James Tour, who is actually absolutely the mis- most eloquent oh,
5: God. guy okay, I've ever heard
2: explain.
5: Okay, Let John go. He's been trying to get
1: a word in. uh okay. no, 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 no. For, for like five minutes here.
5: But James Tour, I will tell you this before he even says this. James Tour has said stop using his name for people because he has said specifically that he is not a biologist. OK, and that he has no understanding of Mac revolution and he's tired of people invoking his name in these types of arguments. So I want to throw that out there before he even starts talking about James okay. or right. uh, John. Go
3: okay. ahead. OK, so Votan, I would I would like a real world example of science, science based dogmatism. Like what is a real world example of. Uh, so- All
0: right. So, yeah. So I kind of cut godless engineer off there but okay so that's the end of that episode with uh, Voltron and Rumpus and Rumpus was the uh such a whimsical name but uh Rumpus was actually the British guy coming at from the uh the mainstream scientific perspective I guess next